Hello, and welcome to A Woman's Soul Restored. I'm LaTanya Hendry, and this week I do not have a guest. My guest had a situation to come up, and uh, we know in life that those things happen. So instead of trying to rush and get somebody in place and they not having time to uh, brief themselves and me not having time to find out more about them, decided to do commentary this week and I would say what a fitting time to do commentary because I had an incident to happen last night actually and I'll get into that a little bit more but first I would like to say um, this Sunday I will be ministering at Zion Fair Missionary Baptist Church that's in Garden City Georgia for their senior usher board anniversary and that'll be at 4 p.m. The address is 4123 1st Street and that's in Garden City, Georgia. So if you're in the area, feel like coming out to support um, the church and what they're doing for their Usher Boy anniversary, please feel free to come out and do so. Wear your mask. We'll be COVID safe and we just want everyone to come out and have a great time. Secondly, um, my nonprofit, Sisters Helping Sisters Social Organization for Women Incorporated, will be having a turkey and fixings giveaway. Now, because of COVID, we won't be cooking, but last year we were able to bless um, individuals with, I think it was 18 bags with a turkey and some had ham and um, just a variety of things just some people got two bags it was a lot of um food so we want to be able to be a blessing again this year as well and like i stated we would not be cooking but we want to be able to give out non-perishables and to give out a turkey with each meal and that'll be the saturday before thanksgiving that's november 20th so if you would like to make a donation our cash app is the dollar sign the sisterhood 28 that's dollar sign the sisterhood 28 and just put in the four line thanksgiving donations and it'll go specifically for what you send in your donation for so i'll be giving out more information each week as we approach that date and we want this to be a successful event to help serve the community so this week before we take the break, I just want to say that, as always, I'm thankful for my listeners. I'm thankful for even the opportunity to do a podcast. Um, this is it's becoming um, very present. And the emails that started out with just two or three a week are now much, much more than that. And I welcome that. And I read each one. And I get to learn about individuals. And I... I email back and get to help people men and women actually because 28 percent of my listening audience is male so um i'm thankful that i'm able to help not only women but men in their trials and and what they're going through in their day-to-day stances this week we'll be talking about possibilities from impossibilities possibilities from impossibilities. So be sure to come back and we'll get into the conversation. So hello and welcome back. For the past few weeks just have been challenging going through 
a variant of health issues and um, personal situations and just some things that really have come up unexpectedly, especially with my health, with being an asthmatic. Um, fall is always a difficult time of year, but also for my allergies. And then my iron dropped really, really low. And I started taking something, actually, my grandmother used to take um, Geritol. And it's helping, but it's slow. I guess my iron was so low until um, it's just taking a minute to get back to normal. So it's been a task doing day-to-day activities. I had to slow down a bit just so it seems like all I want to do is sleep. But life goes on, and we have to take each stride and thank God for each day for blessing us to still be here to even move slow if that makes sense but in the good and the bad we have to find possibilities from impossibilities so last night I was having a a text conversation because I only I don't really talk on the phone a lot because I do this podcast but, but even before I did this podcast I'm not really a phone talker I'll text all day. I could text a whole book, but um, which that's my preferred method of conversation. But to people I know that don't text, I don't like text, and I have a conversation. But last night I was having a textation <laughs> with a dear friend, one of the ladies in the organization that I highly respect, look up to, and call her my big sister. But, um. My grandson had to go to get his eyes checked yesterday. He had a scheduled eye doctor's appointment. And when his mom dropped him off back here, his dad told me that, which is my son, told me that he needed eyeglasses. And I was like, oh, no, come on, because he seems to have picked up all the things from my side of the family like the asthma and allergies and just a lot of the symptoms that I have gone through as a child and can remember and still go through he seems to have picked up the same thing so I was like not the glasses so you know I I was kind of down about that because he he'll be three next month he's a little fella and I remember um When my son, at the age of five, his dad had to get glasses. So I was just reflecting back on some things. So fast forward to yesterday evening when me and my big sis were texting. And she asked about the grandkids because my granddaughter turned three in July. And like I said, my grandson will turn three next month. So those are the only two. And sometimes I've lately I've been having them here at the same time, and that has been a challenge in itself trying to keep up with two little people. But um, she asked me about them, and I was letting her know that my grandson needed eyeglasses, and we we said a little bit more, and then a memory came back to me, and it caught me really off guard that when I was young in middle school. I started wearing glasses, but I couldn't see before then. And I would tell my grandmother that I was struggling to see the the stuff that the teacher would write on the board. And I had to have the book right up to my face in order to see it. And it kind of got dismissed um, because of other situations that were going on in the home. And my 
step-grandfather basically said, there's nothing wrong with that gal. She don't need no glasses or nothing. So it kind of got dismissed. And I only got glasses because I failed the sixth grade. I did not pass to go along with my other my friends that were going on to the seventh grade, I had to remain in the sixth because I failed. I failed miserably. I, my scores were not equivalent to what my brain had the capacity to do. It was only then that I was able to get, my grandmother took me to the, the doctor to get a pair of glasses. Now that memory, I don't know, I guess it popped up because eyeglasses was on my mind with the young people. And because my um, big sis was telling me in her text that she got her glasses when she was very young. And I was telling her I didn't. And just as I was saying I didn't, that memory hit me that what I needed did not, was not important. It, it took a back burner to everything else, and it, it was only when I failed and attention was brought to that I had a need that was not addressed because the, the school, a couple of my teachers had already told my grandmother that I need glasses, and it kind of got dismissed, but it was only when I failed at something that the need was such an urgent need then for me to go ahead and get glasses. And after I got the glasses, I excelled. I, I stayed on. Um, getting A's and we had this thing called the gifted and talented students where we went to separate classes because we were supposed to be above average and each year I was able to be in those classes. I was in 4-H which I don't even know if there is a 4-H anymore but I was a very nerdy and quiet child and that was mainly because of what was going on in the household and, and me not you know those secrets that we're supposed to keep and not to say anything because um, it's supposed to stay in the house. So I didn't say anything. I got picked on. I got bullied because I was different. My hair was not really done most of the time. I tried to do it myself, but I couldn't. Um, it was just a lot. It was just a lot. But just that memory took me back to a place to where I felt sad and I felt like Failure was my option for me to improve. I had to fail a grade for me to get something that was essential for me to move forward to the next grade. And then I never failed again in, in school. And even when I went to um, St. Leo much later in life, I, I was on the dean's list each quarter and and all and and made um cum laude when I graduated, so it wasn't the smartness that was the problem or my intelligence. It was I just plainly I couldn't see, but then I wasn't heard either because everything was blurry and even sitting in the front of the classroom I could not see what was being written. So I just guessed at things. I, and I got picked at when I would have the book real close to my face. So I started just trying to figure out things and it didn't work out because I failed. I wanted to talk about possibilities from impossibilities because I truly believe in the mix of our text last night when I finally, when I told her, I remembered that, um, memory of only getting my glasses when I failed. As she said, you will probably have a lifetime of things that you don't yet remember. 
And I sucked two texts. One was probably, and then the last one was sucks. Because I really felt that it sucked that my whole childhood was just an oblivion of mishaps and things happening and not being heard. And that's the key thing. I was not being heard. I was not... It's, it's, it seems like something simple, but it's not. When you have a voice as a child and you want people to hear you. And that kind of drew me into a further, a deeper shell because I was not only telling my grandmother that I need glasses, but that was the person that would have been able to get them for me. She didn't hear me. So I felt if she couldn't hear me, there's no need to tell anybody anything and, and, and just everything will work out and everything will be okay, which it wasn't. It was, it's the thing about memories, because I've said throughout my podcast last season and this season that it was only in 2000, the early part of 2015, that my memory came to me about what happened to me as a child. And the second book I wrote, A Window Without a View, chronicles those incidents, those dreams that I were having throughout my 20s and 30s. And and most of my 40s, I dreamt about this little girl that was being abused. And all that time, I thought that it was a, a family member that I seen something happen to and just couldn't remember and didn't know that I was dreaming about my own incident. It was only a trip that I took back to Estill, South Carolina and went back to that house that I feared going to every time I took a trip back home. I would not go down that street that I grew up on because it was just something I felt that I, I felt that something happened. I just didn't know what. I remember that my grandfather treated my grandmother really, really horribly. I remember some things, but I couldn't remember what happened to me until that day that I went by and I got out of my car. I was on the way back to Savannah and I I, I don't know why I went down that road, but I did. And I got out and I, the house looked so small. And when I was little, the house seemed like it was a huge house, like it was a, a big mansion. But in reality, it was a very small house. And I got out and I walked around and just flashes of memories started coming back to me. And within probably a three to five minute stretch all those memories came flooding back of what happened to me in that house and I just fell out in that yard and the people that lived across the street they came out now it wasn't the people I grew up with they were people I didn't know but all they saw is a woman stretched out on the lawn of that didn't belong there I'm sure they know their neighbors. They know, I, you know, somebody lived in the house. I guess they weren't at home. But they helped me get back in the car. I just sat there for a minute just realizing that the person that I had these dreams about all those years was me. And just to know that God protected me all those years because I would have not been able to handle it considering all the things I had went through in my life. And that's what I want to talk about today when we talk about possibilities from impossibilities. Because on this podcast, we've talked about the person that has been sexually abused as a child, the person that has been raped, the person that has been in a domestic violence situation, 
even the person that has been sick and the illness have kept them from living a life that was more suited to what they felt they were able to do. But what about the person that went through all those at one time? And it was only tonight after that text conversation with my my sister, my friend, my confidant, that I realized that the majority of us that have went through those situations have not just gone through one situation. I have been through all those. I was a sickly child with the asthmatic. I was in, in I was raped at age 16 when I was pregnant with my daughter. I was a teen mom. I was in a domestic situation in with my daughter's father as a teenager and in my first marriage. And I didn't realize that I was abused as a child until I was, what, seven years ago, I was 40, um, 47, 48 years old when I realized that, and my memory came back about what had happened to me in my life, and it really took me aback. But I never made the connection that we all, the majority of us that have gone through any type of abuse or rape or any of those trials, are trials of multiple things that we have to deal with. And it may seem like life is impossible. It may seem like as soon as you got over one thing, something else happened. Because I was almost raped by my cousin when I was around 10 or 11. Might have been 12, but he hit me up um, after school one day. And I basically had to run for my life to get away from him. So I went through an almost attempted rape to an actual rape, to a domestic violence, to um, just all types of abuse, um, physical, mental, financial. Just went through a, a, a merit of things and not realizing that they're all intertwined, they're all connected. And not just with me. Most of the women that I have spoken to that I have guessed, have had as guests on this podcast, have went through different things, multiple things. And and it's, it's hard to make the connection at times because you can be in conversations and you talk about one subject with one thing. And then, you know, with the next guest or the next conversation, you'd be talking to a friend or something because in the organization we have talks about you know, our childhood and some things we've gone through in, in our adult lives. And we're truly a sisterhood. We talk about things. I talk to those ladies like I would talk to my my natural sisters. We're very close. But I have never focused on everything in one time. Even when I wrote the first book, Issues of the Male Heart, When His Issues Become Your Issues, I never focused on everything that happened. I wrote some of the things and then so the second part took part with a window without a view that was the more grittier the one that that, that that book really did not sell that much at all but it got in the right hands and that's the reason why I do a podcast today because someone that could make a difference got their hands on that book and reached out to me sent me an email and it it spawned a podcast and I am no longer with that platform but I am thankful 
for Web Talk Radio because they opened a door for me that I didn't know was possible because of an impossibility that happened in my life where if I had taken it the wrong way and taken it as, you know, life altering and I couldn't move and nothing was going to be possible for me, I would have passed on that opportunity. But I'm thankful that they did reach out to me and I'm thankful that for a season I was able to record on that platform and have guests and and do a lot of commentary and it was very successful. So now with this platform and and even realizing more about myself and what I've went through as a, a woman and what my guests have went through and that's why they wanted to be have their voices heard for the experts that come on and want to give their area of expertise of help and that is actually helping the women that's listening helping in the men that's listening and making a difference that's what I want to do that's what I want to be I don't want to be stuck in the impossibility of what happened to me in my life. But I want to spawn from those possibilities that came from an impossible situation. Four books came from an impossible situation. I'm an entrepreneur that came from an impossible situation. I graduated with a bachelor's degree. Don't want to go back because school, I I don't think, I, I may go back later, but right now that's not the thing for me. But I did that successfully out of an impossible situation going back at the age of 45 to go to school and and get a degree and and move further in my where I was going at in my life became an ordained minister in 2015 moving in an area where it it was said that I I wasn't going to move in because of my background, because I had locks in my hair, because of the the people I was once affiliated with, because of the lifestyle that I used to lead, that nothing like that would ever happen to me. My life was a statistic, and the statistic was negative, that I would become someone that didn't have a productive life. And I'm happy to say that my life is very productive. And most and my guests that have been on have went on and moved from the things that was their impossibility. And they grabbed the possibilities that were there for them to cling hold to. Life is going to always throw us a fishbone. And it's up to us if we're going to choke on the fishbone or we're going to try to pick out each one we see and not swallow it. We're either going to see the glass half empty and say that I'm just so thirsty and I can't get enough water because I only have a half glass full. Or you could say this is just enough water to cleanse my thirst. This is just enough for what I need. I don't need a full glass anyway. It's how we look at the situation. Yeah, it may seem impossible. Even if you are in a situation right this moment, it may seem impossible. It may seem like you're not getting ahead. It may seem like just your world is crumbling around you. But inside of all those impossibilities, You have to pull out the possible. You have to pull out the thing that's going to propel you to get you through whatever it is you're going through right now. And that thing is there. 
Sometimes it's very difficult to see it. Sometimes we're just going through so much and getting hit with so many things until it's so hard to see the light on the other side. But there is light on the other side, and you have to believe that if you don't believe anything else I tell you. There is light on the other side. There is hope. There is possibilities beyond measure. You just have to first accept what happened to you. Accept whatever it is you're going through, even if it's an illness, even if it's something that you're sick and you can't live the life that you want to live because you take so many pills or you have to go for treatment. So whatever it is that's holding you back, you have to accept that as right now, this is my life, but this is not my destiny. This is not my end. This is not what's going to be my remembrance and what I'm going to be remembered for. I have to get out of this. So in your acceptance, you can't just lay down and say, well, okay, this is it. Um, Oh, well, because that's not what acceptance means. Acceptance is just that you are, that's your reality right this moment. And you can't lie out of it. You can have faith in it, but you can't lie and say, I'm not going through this when you are. Because that's not what faith is. Faith is believing that even though you can't see an end out, it is an end out. And that that end out is for you. So in those impossibilities, in those impossible situations, you have to pull out the possible. You have to, in your own individual situation, because I can't say what you can pull out because I don't know each of you individually. But I can say that there is a positive in every negative. You just have to search for it and get it out. You have to search for it and see. Be realistic. Be transparent. Find somebody you can talk to, a confidant, someone that's real close. I am blessed to have family that I can talk to. I have a sisterhood that I can talk to. I'm blessed to have people that I could talk to. My children are old enough where I could have conversations with them as well. But you have to have that person. You have to have someone that you could talk to that's not going to judge you, but that you could talk to and just be a sounding board that you could talk to and they actually hear what you were trying to say and not beat you down while you're talking, but give you advice if you ask for it. But sometimes you just need that ear. You just need that person that's going to listen to what you're saying. Like I needed someone to listen to me when I was in middle school. And I was even before middle school, fourth, fifth grade, I was telling people, I was telling my grandmother that I couldn't see. Everything was cloudy. It, it was like I was a child and couldn't really describe it, but I knew I could not see. And because my step-grandfather said that that gal fine, ain't nothing wrong with her, she didn't do anything about it. And throughout, ever since I found out and had my remembrance about what happened to me as a child, I would think back over things that had happened. And the things she did not do for me was always based on what he would say when he would be fondling me and she would be peeping around the corner looking and not saying anything. And a lot of that hurts because when my mother passed, she took me and my sisters in, but my sisters were way older than I. So they, when they graduated, they came back to Savannah, but she raised me from three years old and I was there with them by myself because my last sister left when I was six. So 
just knowing that she knew what was happening to me kind of is enough to have made me probably want to give up because in that moment when that memory came back I had to pull on the side of the road because Estelle is like if you're driving reasonably probably an hour from Savannah it's not really far but I couldn't focus to drive I had to pull over and get my thoughts and get myself together because I, I couldn't believe that after everything else I had went through, that I was a product of child sexual abuse. And it took me some months before I actually told anyone that I remembered. I told my husband when I got home, and he was very supportive, have always been supportive of the things I went through in my life because I've told him. I've been very open with my life with him. But just to think what had happened to me as a child and to think that, my grandmother, the person that was supposed to protect me, let that happen because he would beat on her even though she was, my grandmother was like 6'1", 395, 400 pounds. She was a big woman. My granddaddy was small. He was a very frail man, older, like I think he was like 20-something years older than she was. So I truly believe if she wanted to take him, she would. She could have. And deep down inside, I wanted her to just stand up for herself and do something to him because he would beat her in front of me. So I had to, those are the memories that I had that stuck with me, that her trying to get up off the ground and he kicking her and he burnt her with the, you know how the people had the fireplaces with the thing that you would jug the wood with to, to get it going he had beat her with that one time and just memories of her getting beat and and him not buying food in the house and us not having food and living in a house where you could look through the floor and see the dirt from the ground those are that's the memories I had but I suppressed the memory of what had happened to me but in the midst of the impossible in the midst of being told as a child that I would never amount to anything because my mother wasn't anything and my mother let a man kill her. And and just remembering at, at the age that I am, stuff still come back to me. Stuff still, memories still come back. The least little thing can spark a memory. And sometimes it does bring a tear. Sometimes it does hurt. But in the midst of those negative comments, I know what God has done for my life. I know what he has done for me. I know where he has brought me from and gave me the ability to do. Some things now I feel stagnant about. I have a lot that I want to do still, even though I do a lot now. I have a lot that I still want to do. And I'm not going to say I'm not going to do them because I have a past that's going to prevent me from doing anything. No, I have a past that's going to propel me to do whatever it is I want to do in life. And I want to say the same thing to you or whoever is listening that this is that you are going through whatever your trial, whatever your circumstance is, whatever your trauma has done to your life. You are better than that impossibility you are better than what happened to you you are better than the sickness that you're living in you are better than anything or any anything that anybody said to you that you wasn't you are better than that but 
living in that moment of knowing you're better than that, you have to strive to make opportunities for yourself because God will help you. He will meet you at the point of your need. And if you can't do nothing, then he will meet you there. But if it's stuff that you can do, for years I tried to write a book, even when I was with my first husband, and he told me, what the hell was I doing? Nobody was going to read anything I've written, so why even bother? And I didn't write anymore. I wrote a full book that I still have in there, on, and I'll publish it one day. It's on a... Um, the CD disc, the back in the day with the older computers, you could write on the little drive thing, and it's on there. I had to get a drive reader for it, and I, I, I'll do it one day. But just the fact that now everybody's writing a book. You know, everybody has a story to tell, and it's good to get your story out. But I could have written a book, and that book wasn't about my life or anything. It was a a, a fiction novel that I had in my head that I decided to write about. And it never came to pass because I let somebody put in my head that I was nothing. And I had done heard that for so long throughout that marriage until I believed that nobody was going to read it. No, nobody was going to bother with it. So why do it? But even writing that second book, A Window Without a View, and knowing that I think it's so at this point now because I started talking about it in season one. And then that's so, I think at the time I had 49 sales of the book. And now it's up to 83. So I thank God for the 83. I thank God for the increase in sales. But because that book, God put it in the hand of somebody that it was going to make a difference with. I'm thankful for that. So it, it didn't matter that only 84 people read that book or got that book because some people get books and don't read them <laughs> unfortunately some people get books and and I'm a reader so every book I get I read and sometimes I read two or three times but I'm it, it's I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe only 84 people read that book but at the height of this podcast in season one and even the numbers in in this season is is beyond what I would have thought I would have been able to do as somebody that didn't even had no thoughts of doing a podcast. Um, me and two friends of mine were talking about it at one time, and we were going to get together and host a podcast ourselves with the three of us. But as far as me doing a podcast myself, that didn't ever cross my mind until I was reached out to. And I'm thankful and been grateful. And it's been going up ever since. And I'm thankful for the women that want to come on and tear their stories of their impossibilities that they have created possibilities from. And to be the sounding board and the, the example for others out there that's waiting to make possibilities out of their impossibilities, waiting for the hope to shine itself at their door, waiting for somebody to say, you're going to be okay, you're going to make it. So I'm going to tell you today, before I end, you are going to be okay. You're going to make it because you're going to find light on the other side of whatever it is you're going through. And I can tell you this from experience of multiple traumas that I have went through. And even as far as being beaten and thrown down a flight of stairs when my daughter was an infant, coming home from the hospital as a preemie, 
and I had stitches from being cut, from being raped. That's why I had my daughter at seven months. And that was not taken into consideration. I was just thrown down a flight of stairs like I was nothing. And I had to cradle my daughter to keep her from getting hurt. And I thank God that she didn't. Now, I ended up getting hurt and had to go back to the hospital and and explain what happened. And, of course, I came up with a lie that I, I tripped and I, I didn't watch where I was going. And, you know, it, 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 when you're going through a domestic situation, you learn to lie very well. And I had went through so much with my daughter's father until I became a good liar, which I've never been a person to lie. But... As corny as it sounds and as crazy as it sounds, I didn't want anything to happen to him. I didn't want him to get in trouble. I didn't want him to go to jail. I didn't want my daughter's father to be separated from her. But at the time, I didn't realize that he didn't care enough about her, that he knocked me down a flight of stairs with her in my arm. That was the mentality of a a 16-year-old because I was 16 when I had her. I was already traumatized from a rape. I was traumatized from going through a C-section and almost losing my life, losing my daughter's life after a brutal rape and being left under a house for dead. And then to come home and to get abused like how I did, and it didn't stop there. That was just a precursor. But in that impossibility... My daughter has grown up to be a beautiful young woman. Didn't have her daughter until she was 34 years old. Beautiful, beautiful young woman. So I want to tell you today, take life with everything that it has. Take life with the beauty that it is. Inside of every impossibility, find your possibility. Find what's going to work for you. And then just make it happen. Love yourself to not just wallow in what you can't do, but be in love and embrace what you could pull out of that impossible situation and make your possibilities thrive and live for you. So I appreciate you listening this week to A Woman's Soul Restored. You can send me an email at Restored at gmail.com. The website is www.livelifenowlovelifenow.net and the Facebook page is A Woman's Soul Restored. This For this month, I have my interview with Safe Shelter that I did last year in Season 1. I have that posted on my face, on my um on the podcast page on the website. So go listen to that interview. We have a safe shelter here locally that extends throughout. They help uh, a myriad of different locations. And their director, um, Doretha Rice, gave a very intricate interview about what all safe shelter does. So and you get a chance, go on my website and listen to that interview. I posted it because I didn't do a first Sunday conversations. So it's posted in that first Sunday conversations link. So for a woman's soul restored, this is Latanya Hendry. Have a blessed week.